The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Hello and welcome back to the Jet Press Podcast. My name is Justin Freed and I'm joined as always by my buddy, my friend, my pal, Mike Luciano. What's going on, Mike? How you doing? I'm feeling pretty good once again because my quarterback's Aaron Rodgers. How can you not feel good when your quarterback's Aaron Rodgers? It's only a foreboding statement that I'm tempting fate, but you know what? For now, it feels good in the moment. It is always a good day when your quarterback is Aaron Rodgers. we got a jam-packed show. We have so much planned. We're talking training camp. We're talking everything going on right now with Mekhi Becton, from the trade rumors to, you know, he missed today's practice. We're talking everything with that. We're talking Aaron Rodgers, of course, because he is our quarterback, and we're talking his potential contract or his going-to-be contract restructure, which we should find out more today, maybe even live during the show. We're talking about Denzel Mims. We're talking about Madden ratings. we got a lot to get into, but first, Mike, let's hit us with a promo. What do you got? From our good friends over at DraftKings. So Jets fans, have you signed up for DraftKings yet? Because if you're a new user, you can receive 150 big ones, $150 in bonus bets instantly after following just these three steps. Just create an account, make a deposit, and then wager $5 on any sport. doesn't matter if your first wager wins or loses, you will still receive $150 in bonus bets. All you got to do is use the code FSBETS, that is F-S-B-E-T-S, when you sign up. When you use that code, not only do you get the bonus, but it helps support the podcast. You want to support us that way? Feel free. Go ahead. If you're considering signing up for DraftKings, use the code F-S-B-E-T-S to maximize your first bets. This offer is only available for new customers who are 21 and older and physically present in legal gambling states. Please remember to always gamble responsibly. Check the episode description for the full terms of the offer. And as always, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever it may be that you get your podcasts. We are over there. We're also on YouTube at The Jet Press. That's where you can subscribe. And we're on TikTok. We are on TikTok at The Jet Press. You can find all our little great YouTube shorts also over there. All of our little vertical video content all over the the interwebs. So, Let's dive right in head first like Greg Luganis. Let's go and talk about Makai Becton. You weren't expecting a Greg Luganis reference to start the show off, were you? No, no, I was not. But He is a diver for the uninitiated. So <laughs> one guy who was very much never going to be a diver is Makai Becton in his 350-pound frame. And you'd think that he would be dominating right now just because this is the time where physical freaks of nature can really show out in training camp. Like, How the hell do you get past this guy? Well, he is struggling. Not only is he struggling just to try to, you know, not to get to that elite level. He's not getting to that elite level. That's fine. He's been injured. Takes a while. This guy didn't even look like an NFL lineman. Apparently, he gave up around three sacks during last practice. According to Robert Sala, today his knee was bothering him. So he's not in practice today, which that's a familiar thing for Makai Becton once again. And this all would be pretty pretty tame. I mean, everybody has training camp struggles. Aaron Rodgers threw an interception. Like, guys get beat. It happens. It's training camp. You're figuring stuff out. Then, 
I'm seeing reports from big names, Connor Hughes, Antoine Staley from SMY and the New York Daily News, saying that basically in so many words, both of them, they would not be surprised if Mekhi Beckton ends up getting traded, which would really surprise me because the Jets talked up and down for months and months and months, despite the I am a left tackle thing, despite him publicly calling out the Jets saying they mishandled his injury, despite all that, they're saying we believe in Mekhi Beckton. We believe Mekhi Beckton is going to be a high-level player in this league, despite basically missing the last two years entirely with injuries. And then his first chance to really show everybody, this is a new Mekhi Becton. He has fallen flat on his face. It is really disheartening to see. Now, I don't think a trade will happen for two reasons. Number one, Joe Douglas is probably going to let Mekhi Becton get every single chance to prove that he's going to be a good lineman in this league. I don't know if he'll take it, but he's going to get it. This was Joe Douglas's first first-round pick. It's obviously not looking very good, but you know what? Some guys take longer. That's probably what Joe Douglas is thinking right now. That's probably why he's going to keep him. And also, if you're looking to trade for a guy, I mean, what value, honestly, does Mekhi Becton have? If he's not playing like a star or even a starter, he's getting hurt all the time. He's apparently a malcontent because he's willing to speak his mind in ways that might irritate some coaches. I mean, calling out the coaching staff. Yeah, I mean, not a coach like a Bill Belichick or a Mike Tomlin, you think they're going to want to acquire a guy like Mekhi Becton to be so willing to go to the writers and say things like that? So this big confluence of circumstances is almost kind of, I don't want to say a nightmare scenario, because that's too bombastic and too doom and gloom for the Jets are right now, but it is not looking good. It is certainly not going according to plan. I feel like I'm going to be a defender here for Mekhi Becton. I feel like I'm going to come to his defense. I wouldn't say he's a malcontent. I definitely wouldn't go that far. I would definitely not say that. I know that his co- comments with, uh, you know, saying the whole left tackle thing and blaming the injury on the, in, in other words, on the coaching staff, essentially, uh, the comments that he made this past spring definitely didn't go over well with those inside the Jets organization. But I wouldn't go as far as to say he's a malcontent. And I also want to say that, I'm not shocked that a guy who has missed the last two years due to knee injuries is kind of having a rocky go of it in training camp, at least very early on. As Robert Salas said, he's already on a, he's on a pitch count, um, so the Jets aren't necessarily rushing him out there. And as far as far as missing today's practice goes, Wednesday's practice, I'd rather the Jets take this approach than the approach they took last year, which, according to Becton, may have contributed to his injury because he told the coaching staff, according to his own admission, that his knee was bothering him. They allowed in the practice. They let him practice anyway. And unfortunately, he suffered a season-ending knee injury. So I'd rather them take this approach where they're playing it safe with him. That being said, every rep matters. And it's looking very likely at this stage. And I know I said this last week, and I think you were surprised by this comment. I said last week that I don't think Mekhi Becton starts week one for the Jets. I think that's looking like a very cold take at this stage now uh, because he's been working exclusively with the second team offense, even with Dwayne Brown sidelines. So you have Billy Turner and Max Mitchell as your first team tackles in training camp right now. Uh, So he's been working exclusively with the backups. He has not blocked for Aaron Rodgers at all this summer. And now he's still, you know, dealing with ramifications and effects of the knee injuries, which I'm not shocked at. I'm not shocked at all. I'm not at all at a stage where I want to give up on the guy. I still very much hope that he can you know, live up to his potential with the Jets. And I, I've said this before early in the offseason. I think that he's the the X factor with this offensive line because if he can take over as a starter again this year and resume where he picked, where he left off as a rookie, this offensive line could be pretty good. 
But if not, you're relying on someone like Billy Turner, who is a low-level starter at best. He's a fringe swing tackle. That's pretty much what you're getting in him. Or Max Mitchell, who, you know, I think he flashed at points last season, but the Jets drafted him, drafted him to be a developmental guy, and he's still completely unproven. So you're relying on one of those guys, not to mention Dwayne Brown, who's coming off major shoulder injury and is 38 years old. Uh, so I think that a healthy Mekhi Becton and a mo- and not, I don't want to say motivated or whatever, but just a Mekhi Becton that looks like the player we saw in his rookie season would be massive to the Jets' offensive line. I don't want to be too hard on the guy, but I also want to say that every single rep counts. And right now, I would say it's a long shot that he starts week one. I mean, I don't want to be too hard on the guy, but I'm asking for things like, you know, can you get on the field and play at an average level for a guy who is a first-round pick in year four who has designs on not only starting, but being a left tackle in this league, which he places even greater importance on. Like, I'm, he's kind of setting the bar for himself, and he's not passing it. So I'm just going to say, you know what, you're not meeting your own goals. But the other thing, too, that I find interesting, because you did bring this up earlier uh, in last show, the last show, rather, about Billy Turner or maybe even somebody else, like a Hail Mary, like a Max Mitchell or a Carter Warren, even starting over Mekhi Becht in week one. Wouldn't that, that feels like the end to me of Mekhi Becton. Like, that, because that won't get viewed as, you know what, we're going to slowly ease him in. And then by week four, he's the starter. Like, if, if he's on the bench week one, I feel like that's the end of Makai Becton for New York. Like when Zach Wilson got benched in Jacksonville, like, all right, that's that's the end of Zach Wilson. Like that's kind of the what I think's going to happen. Like you can't just go and say, you know what, he's a valued backup and like kind of Denzel Mims him, keep him around and be like, oh, you know, maybe when he learns some things and gets healthier. He, like, no, this is a first round pick who's been incredibly disappointing. Like I, I needed him to show a little bit more just because that's he's proven nothing in this league. That through very little fault of his own. I know he's gotten hurt. You can't predict guys to get hurt, but he's proven nothing. So he's got to start showing something eventually. I know that not every great player is going to emerge in the first few days of training camp, but I mean, it's come on here, Makai. You know, a little something like don't get outplayed by Max Mitchell. Is that a reasonable goal? I think what you just said at the end there is most important here. It's still only July 26th. We are a week, not even a week, into training camp yet. It's still very early. If we're still having this conversation about Mekhi Becton working exclusively with the second team offense and missing missing days due to due to injury, uh, due to you know the effects of that knee injury, if we're still having that conversation in late August, I have a very different tone. But the fact that it's July 26th, the fact that he's missed two consecutive years, uh, I'd also want to say what Brian says in chat here. Uh, Brian from YouTube, he said that knee fractures tend to take a full 12 months to heal. So I'm not surprised Beckton's not a full go yet. Yeah, I think he's working his way back from injury. That, I think that is a, a an important thing to to you know, keep in mind here. Yes, by all accounts, he has struggled when he's been on the field to this point, and he is only working with the second team offense. But the Jets are taking their time with him. You know, they're not they're not trying to rush him, and I'm not surprised at all that he is still struggling. Again, every rep matters, and the fact that he is behind the eight ball essentially to start the summer. You know, in comparison to Billy Turner and Max Mitchell, who are healthy and working with the first team, that matters, and that is important, and that could cost him a starting job. But I'm not going to be too down on, the, on him and on Mekhi Becton as a player and as a person uh, for what he's done to this point, because it's still super early. Um, as far as a trade goes, I think it's definitely possible. I think that Becton is has not endeared himself to this Jets coaching staff at all. I don't think they've seen eye to eye for a while. Uh, they haven't seen it, him at all, period. He hasn't played. Sure. I, I, you know, it really dates back to that 2021 offseason, even before his, his first knee injury uh, in week one. There was there was some tension between him and the coaching staff. There was definitely some tension there. Um, and, you know, whether it was his weight gain, whether it was an effort thing, whatever it was, 
I don't think that their relationship, that Becton's relationship with this coaching staff, with this team, has been the same since 2021. And again, of course, that was the first year of this new Jets coaching staff. So I'm not sure they really ever saw eye to eye. Um, so that's that's definitely something to take into account. And also, you know, we've already seen this Jets coaching staff, this Jets team, say goodbye to guys like Denzel Mims and Elijah Moore, who have had, for lack of a better term, spats, you know, verbal jarring, whatever you want to say, with this with this coaching staff. So I wouldn't be shocked if he is traded for that reason, because I just don't think Beckton's relationship with the team is, is, is strong right now. That being said, I still believe he's the most physically and naturally talented offensive lineman on this roster. So I would like to see them try and make it work. As far as what his future entails, right? Because you said that if he doesn't win a starting job, you're saying that that's basically the end of his time with the Jets. Yeah, like how could you keep him around if that happens? I get that. I do. But also, it's a long season. Injuries happen. Do I think Dwayne Brown is going to be healthy for all 17 games a season? I really don't know. I, I wouldn't bank on it. Maybe it happens. I hope it does, but I wouldn't bank on it. I wouldn't bank on uh, both offensive tackle spots, you know, being uh, fully healthy for the entire season. So I wouldn't be shocked if Mekhi Becton, even if he doesn't win the starting job, that he does eventually start at some point this season. And if he plays well, maybe you're talking about a one-year prove-it deal next year because he is a free agent this offseason. Um, so I don't know. I, I wouldn't be shocked at all if he's on the, if he's not on the week one roster, but I would like to see the Jets try and make it work because I do still believe in Mekhi Becton's talent. And if he's healthy and if he can even get back to close to what he was as a rookie, I think he could be a really good player and a damn good starter for this team. As Brian and Chad also points out, though, uh, this is a guy who took 10 months to recover from a 10-week injury. So you do have that. Like some guy, And again, that's not his fault. Some guy's bodies just respond differently some guys get tommy john like marcus stroman and then he was pitching later that year some guys bodies just heal differently from different things maybe beckton's lower body just takes longer like that's entirely possible but the other thing i don't think a trade is necessarily happening even though i think that makai beckton when i say the end i mean like there's no chance the jets could probably keep makai beckton and view him as a long-term piece like zach wilson's still on the team but when the end happened you knew Zach Wilson was no longer part of the future for the Jets. That's kind of what I was thinking with Becton. And a trade might be kind of hard just because, I mean, what, what would you even give up? I mean, this is a guy who hasn't played in two years and is an impending free agent. I mean, Chuck Clark was a proven veteran, and the Jets gave up barely next to nothing to get him. What's Mekhi Be- It's going to have to be like just a late-round pick that would probably be you know, flip, almost like a conditional thing, I think. Because yeah. I think Beckton's value is just completely torpedoed. So, I mean, that talk about, you know, selling low. That'd be the perfect example of that. I think the contract is what makes his value so low. Because even if you are even if you believe in his upside, he's still in the last year of his rookie deal. So he's still a free agent at the end of the year regardless. So even if you're, you're a team that, and you're like, oh, we still believe in Mekhi Beckton's talent. If he's healthy, he can be great, which I believe that. Uh, but even if you do believe that you're still trading for a guy who's going to be a free agent at the end of the year, a guy you would need to resign. So I do agree that his value is definitely at an all time low at this stage. He has missed the last two years due to injury. Uh, obviously there's, there's some concerns about maybe his relationship with the coaching staff and that definitely gets around and you got a guy who's on an expiring contract. So I don't think they'd get a lot for him. And I think part of that may be why the jets wouldn't be, you know, so gung ho to trade him because they have shown a tendency, or at least Joe Douglas has shown a tendency to try and, keep guys or, or at least have a high asking price for players. I mean, Denzel Mims, they were asking for a fourth round pick last year. They didn't get that. Uh, and unfortunately they ended up selling him for a lot lower this, this summer. Uh, someone like Bryce Huff, who knows what they're going to be asking for, for him. But even though I wouldn't be surprised if they trade him, they might just be asking for too much. So maybe that is the case with Becton as well. 
it's still so early, and I have a feeling we're going to talk a lot about Mekhi Becton over the course of the next few weeks, for better or worse. Hopefully it's for better. Hopefully it's that, hey, he's he's back healthy and he's kicking ass in training camp, but you know we'll see. I think there's just so much that could happen. He could be traded tomorrow. He could start week one at, at left tackle, for all we know. Like I, I genuinely don't know, uh, and I think it's going to be really interesting to see how that develops over the next few weeks. Well, even if you take Becton out of it, there is a lot to look at in training camp. Even without Becton, with the without the Aaron Rodgers pomp and circumstance, there's tons to look at. There has already been some guys who've established themselves as big winners, guys who have probably made an impression on Robert Sala, and guys who made an impression on Robert Sala for the wrong reasons. We would call them losers in common parlance. And when I think of who's really been a quote-unquote loser so far, looking at what's coming out about training camp, I haven't seen what's going around. We keep talking about Makai Beckton underperforming, but man, if Billy Turner is the replacement, that is not going to be you're, – you're not getting Jonathan Ogden or Orlando Pace or Hall of Famer in there if, if you put Billy Turner in. And I know Billy Turner knows the offense. Like, that's great, but if you can't execute the offense at a high level or play well, as it's known, which Billy Turner has shown in the last couple of years, he cannot. That's why he keeps moving around from team to team, and Nathaniel Hackett keeps saving his butt. That's concerning. I mean, Turner was allegedly beat up. I saw a quote from, uh, I believe it was Sports Illustrated or Heavy, that uh, he was thrown around like a rag doll by a couple of the Jets' defensive linemen, which is not what you want to hear from a guy who could potentially be starting. And I think it undermines the whole, like, you know, we've got solid depth kind of mantra that the Jets have been pushing. Like, I think they have good depth pieces in general. But honestly, if I got, let's say Becton was, got hurt and he couldn't play, like, I would rather want to see Max Mitchell or Carter Warren. Like, at least I want to see a younger guy. Mitchell, I thought, was put in a very tough situation last year. I thought that he had some struggles, but for a fourth-round rookie, he handled himself fairly well. I mean, coming from Louisiana Lafayette, then he had to go play the Bills and the Patriots after five or six weeks. I thought, you know what? There were some struggles, but he did okay. Carter Warren, a guy I really liked at Pitt, a guy that I thought probably would have went higher if not for his last year in college where there were some injury things and he probably slipped a little bit. He's a legitimate talent. They're moving him around a little bit. Billy Turner to me is just, there's no upside for playing Billy Turner as a starter right now, other than he knows Nathaniel Hackett's offense, which looking at Denver, that is not necessarily a cause. We know what Nathaniel Hackett's offense can look like when he doesn't have Aaron Rodgers. So knowing that does not necessarily guarantee a playing time. Yeah, I think just the entire offensive line really as a whole has struggled a ton in training camp. And it's hard to tell how much of that is just how good the Jets defensive line is, because I think if we're talking about winners, you have to just really mention the entire defensive line. Uh, and so it's hard to tell how much of that is the defensive line being great and how much of it is the offensive line just really struggling. It does seem like the Jets tackles have had a lot of issues. Of course, Dwayne Brown isn't out there, and you hope that if he's starting week one at left tackle, that he would be better. But you've had Billy Turner at left tackle. You've had Max Mitchell at right tackle. That's been, for the most part, your first-team offensive tackle duo. And they both struggled. They, they both had their issues. Carter Warren, I've seen, had his issues as well with the second-team offense. Of course, Mekhi Becton was having his own issues with the second team as well. So it's just been a really rough go for the entire offensive line. Uh, and I know that that's probably priority number one or, or concern number one going into the season. So it's not ideal to be seeing that early on with, you know, with, with pads on now um, starting, I believe yesterday they had pads on for the first time on Tuesday. It's not ideal to see that. And obviously hope to see that improve a little bit. It's not uncommon to see the defense uh, generally getting the better of the offense early in training camp. That happens a lot, but I, I do think that we want to see the offense specifically the offensive line perform a little bit better. 
I honestly don't really have any other ones for for losers of training camp other than just the offensive line because it's it's been bad. But I have a ton of winners, and I think that that's pretty common with training camp. You generally tend to hear the good rather than the bad. Uh, man, I got a, I got a bunch. I think number one we need to talk about is that the Aaron Rodgers to Garrett Wilson connection is going to be so special. Yes, I could not be more excited about that potential. Uh, like I, I have a feeling that they're going to be like the entire Jets passing attack. And look, I know that's no slight to guys like Alan Lazard or Tyler Conklin or Corey Davis, whoever. I, I think that Garrett Wilson is just is that good. Like the Jets have their wide receiver one. They have their star wide receiver. And every time you know, we hear reports out of camp, we're hearing more and more things about how Rodgers basically already has a new favorite target in Garrett Wilson. So we need to give, out, give a shout out to both Garrett Wilson and I'd say Aaron Rodgers for doing pretty much all of the right things this summer. As far as the under the radar guys, um, I'm really keeping a guy, an eye on guys like Tony Adams and Zaire Barnes. I think both of those guys have stood out to me. Tony Adams, I would not be surprised at this stage if he continues to play well, if he's your week one starting free safety. I know they signed Adrian Amos, but I think they they this coaching staff is really, really high on Tony Adams. He has better range than Amos. He is more of a natural free safety than really any of the other potential starting options on the roster. I think the Jets kind of want to see him grab that job. He had an interception today. I think he's playing very well, and I think he's continuing to stand out. And I would not be surprised at all if, even if it's not week one, at some point this season, we're talking about him as your week one, as your starting free safety. As far as Zaire Barnes goes, he had a sack yesterday. He had an interception today. I think the Jets, as much as they're still interested in bringing back Quan Alexander, they really like Jamie and Sherwood. I think I've been impressed with what Zaire Barnes has done so far in training camp. I think they see Sherwin and Barnes as two capable players who can play that third linebacker role. And that makes me makes me think that they don't think they need to sign Quan Alexander, um, which I would still like to see Alexander brought back for more depth. I'm not super sold on this Jets linebacker room, but it is nice to see a guy like Barnes stepping up and making some plays in training camp. Barnes surprised me too, because I remember when he got picked, a lot of the hype around him was he's going to be a great like core special teamer. Yep. And they didn't really know if he was going to – because he's a little bit of a smaller guy for a linebacker. They didn't know if he just would physically kind of mature enough, I guess, to like land a linebacker role. But, you know, like, this is the Jets, again, finding a late-round kind of linebacker, safety hybrid kind of guy like Sherwood and, and Hamza Nasrildin, and just saying, you know what, we're going to beef you up and we're going to make you a backup linebacker. And it seems like Barnes is just the next one up in that regard. Uh, in terms of winners for me – one player that really stood out as a guy where I'm like, okay, I think we might be onto something right here is Jermaine Johnson because he came in. He wasn't bad last year. I thought he was a really good run defender. I thought that he had a, a lot of his best plays were in big moments like that sack on Josh Allen and the win against Buffalo where he was rolling out. Open field, tremendous tackle. I thought that he's a really good two-way player. I just thought the pass rushing was kind of not – really were what I was expecting. Now, even then, his last year at Florida State, he kind of had a lot of his sacks were, you know, a lot of his sacks were against, I think, kind of the, the inferior competition. He had a lot of them in a, in a, a couple different games that kind of bumped his numbers up. Thought it'd be a little, a little raw on that end. But he comes in after the Jets draft the defensive end 15th overall, saying, like, you know, not that they're going to start Will McDonald over Jermaine Johnson, but they're that was clearly something where they, they said, you know what, this is going to be – our new defensive end, our new top defensive end. Jermaine Johnson, you're going to be the second most important defensive end for the future. I think he took that to heart because he came in, number change, 52 to 11, college number of 11. He looks leaner. He looks faster. He looks like he's playing more confidently. I mean, part of the reason that the offensive line was getting beat up was because they were going against Jermaine Johnson, who was just bowling people over. 
I don't think he'll really ever be a consistent like 10 sack guy. I think McDonald's probably a better like pile up the sacks pass rush specialist kind of guy. But if the Jets could find a way to make Jeremy Johnson, almost like a Max Crosby kind of guy, I feel like he's going to be a good comparison for what he could be if he hits his full potential. If he gets closer to that and he start, he keeps the run defense up, but also just starts torpedoing towards the quarterback a little bit more this year, which is entirely possible. Uh, this Jets defensive line could be a real problem. I think that Jermaine's going to have a big breakout year. Oh, for sure. I'm so glad you shouted him out. I like the Max Crosby comparison. I think I could see like some Brandon Graham in his well, which I'm sure maybe Joe yes. could see. Yep. As a guy who's probably never going to be a 10 sack, you know, every single year guy, but a very strong run defender, really good at setting the edge, and just a really solid defensive end, a, a very good defensive end. Brandon Graham's had a very underrated career in the NFL. Uh, but yeah, Jermaine Johnson has been excellent this camp. I think he even said it himself. Uh, when he was talking to reporters, I think it was yesterday, where he said he watched the tape back last year, and he said he didn't recognize the guy he watched because he thought he should have been more explosive. He, think he, he thought he should have been more productive as a pass rusher, and he has come into camp. He looks leaner. He looks faster, like you said. I'm very excited to see what he can do. And also, on top of that, he's been working a lot with the first-team defense, which I think has gone under the radar. He's been working a ton with the first-team defense alongside, I believe, John Franklin Myers, which means we've had Carl Lawson kind of rotating with the first- and second-team defense. So for people expecting and wanting Jermaine Johnson to take a larger role this year, it seems pretty likely that that's going to happen, at least if we're taking any stock about what's going on early in training camp. I think the Jets are very high on Jermaine Johnson. I think they're very high on a lot of guys in that D-line because even aside from Johnson, Will McDonald, I know he had that, that leg injury that cost him a few days of camp. He's come out. I think he's had sacks in each of the last two practices. Bryce Huff has been at a really good camp. I know we that's not a su- surprise at this point, and I, I really hope he still has a role on this team because the dude is so good. Uh, Quinnen Williams, obviously, has been Quinnen Williams. Al Woods has made some plays as a run defender. I think that that Williams-Al Woods duo could be a dominant run-stuffing tandem. I think that could be a really important addition this offseason is Al Woods because for as good as Sheldon Rankins was last year, Run defense has never been his strength. And specifically, the Jets' defensive line struggled a lot in run defense when Quinton Williams was off the field. So having Al Woods either do pair next to Quinton Williams or even put him in there with the second-team defense if you want to, that is going to be huge for the Jets' run defense. So that honestly, just shout out the entire Jets' defensive line because they've been great this summer. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. You know, one thing I've learned about the Jets as we move on to our next segment, Justin, is... What's that? Robert Sala, I think, is a pretty good football coach. And I think they got a good structure around them they're not good liars because all of them has talked about recently with regarding Aaron Rodgers because obviously there's some uncertainty about how long they're going to have him oh I was 90% retired before I went into the, the darkness retreat and then he comes out and says he wants to play for the Jets they've all been saying you know what don't enjoy it just have fun that is a if, if I've ever heard a load of bullshit I mean that is <laughs> the BS meter is it's breaking the scales it's like a like a cartoon thermometer or the guy gets hot and they like start yeah. blowing steam out their ears. That's what the BS meter is going up with that statement. Like, yeah, yeah, we'd be fine if we did all this for one year of Aaron Rodgers. Like, come on, stop kidding yourself. I know you want to look tough. Stop kidding yourself. 
Rodgers at least finally let them kind of exhale a little bit because he has reworked his contract. The exact details aren't out yet. They may come out pretty much right after we record, which has kind of been the the standard for Jets news is right after we record, they they end up dropping news. But or during, yeah, shout out during Elijah Moore. Yeah. You know, check out that for us freaking out live on air after the Elijah Moore trade to the Browns. But Rodgers will rework his deal, and it sounds like he is kind of playing – in 2024 it's not like he's very committed to 2024 i think the jets always knew that this was going to be a multi-year project because you don't give up a first round pick two first round picks i know they swap but two first round picks for aaron Rodgers and for one year of it this was a multi-year thing and at least finally there's some clarity now like all right aaron Rodgers is in it seems like he's getting along very well it doesn't seem like he's kind of aloof or disengaged because that was always the concern with with green bay especially at the end was you know he can be a little prickly. He can be a little, we're going to do things my way, which is probably not going to fly in a new team, a young team. Like you want to be kind of mingling a little bit, getting to know the guys. Seems like he's doing that. He's been balling in training camp, and it's just refreshing to see a quarterback. All the quarterback highlights are dropping dimes and the tight throws to Garrett Wilson. He has a connection there. We're not charting quarterback passes, seeing who overthrew this many guys or how many guys got intercepted. Like, remember the Hackenberg days when there were these apocryphal tales of like, oh, he overthrew a guy and he hit a reporter on the sidelines, or you know, a guy yelled at him and he got scared and dropped the snap. Like, there's none of that. He, Aaron Rodgers is in, and it sounds like he's really getting along great with the guys. So obviously, you know, live bullets aren't flying because it's training camp, but hard to imagine a better start for the Jets. Yeah, you you said it right right there. I think it's hard to imagine a better offseason for Aaron Rodgers. I think he's done everything right since coming to the Jets. Everything he should be doing, everything he should be saying, he's done. And I think all of that just kind of shows that he is in this for more than one year. Now, of course, Aaron Rodgers speaking to the media today, he did say that you never know what could happen. Obviously, you don't know what could happen with his body, with his mind, where he's going to be at next offseason. There's never going to be a sense of certainty there. We know that. And I don't blame the guy, obviously, because it's it's hard to predict what's going to happen over the course of the next six months. That being said, he showed up to OTAs. He's gone the extra mile with all of his teammates. Today during practice, when he wasn't on the field, he went over and talked to the cornerbacks, which and the reporters in attendance were saying they've never seen that happen before in training camp. So I think he's doing everything right. He's going the extra mile with everything. He's saying all the right things. He's doing all the right things. The Jets clearly made this move, expecting Rodgers to be here for two to three years. I would say at a minimum, they expect him to be here two years. They're hoping, and the plan is probably three years. Of course, a lot of that's going to depend on what happens this year, if Rodgers can stay healthy, if the Jets are winning, because most importantly, you know, if you if you are playing in the NFL, if you're Aaron Rodgers, you want to be on a team that's still competitive. If the Jets winning four, win four games this year, I don't know why he'd want to return next year, right? Uh, also, that would probably mean he he did something wrong or he played poorly or he got hurt, something like that as well. Um, but, yeah, if the Jets are winning, he's having a lot of fun, clearly. I think he wants to stay here for two to three years. I think the Jets expect him to stay here for two to three years. We're going to find out more when that contract and the contract details get revealed. I have a feeling they're going to be structured as if he's here for two to three years as well. Uh, so I, I think that, that that just seems to be the plan. And it's it's encouraging news. Of course, we started this show saying we're feeling good because Aaron Rodgers is our quarterback. He is the quarterback of the New York Jets. And if all goes according to plan, that should be the case for the next two to three years. I'll say this about Rodgers, too. He is a master at pandering. I mean, every every, you know, going to all those New York games and I love being sure. in New York. And I'm got, like he, th- th- this guy is a master at pandering and knowing what the reporters want to hear. I get that he's almost 40, so he's got experience at that. But you know what? masterful pander 
I don't know how authentic it is, but you know what? I gotta respect the I gotta respect the craft and the hustle. So Justin, really quick, you have a message from our friends at DraftKings, do we not? That I do. Uh, similar to what you said in the beginning, of course. This helps us out a lot, guys. So just shout out DraftKings for doing this. Jets fans, you guys signed up for DraftKings yet? If you're a new user, you can receive $150 in bonus bets instantly at following just three steps. Create an account, deposit, and then wager $5 in any sport. And that's it. Whether your first wager wins or loses, you'll still receive the $150 in bonus bets. All you have to do is use the code FSBETS when you sign up. Best part is using our code FSBETS, that's F-S-B-E-T-S, not only gets you the bonus, but it also supports the podcast. So appreciate you guys helping us out. Uh, if you're considering signing up for DraftKings, definitely use our code FSBETS, that's F-S-B-E-T-S. It's on the screen if you're watching on YouTube. Uh, to maximize your first bets. This offer is available to new customers who are 21 and older and physically present in legal gambling states. Please remember to always gamble responsibly. Check the episode description for the full terms of the offer. Again, we appreciate you guys helping us out in the show if you have the opportunity. Justin reading that like Edward R. Murrow over here. So let's go. I don't know who that is, but I'm doing my best. Oh, uh, look up your, your history of the press, man. Go look up, see, ask your grandparents. I know Edward R. Murrow. He's an old newscaster guy. Sure. I'll Walter Cronkite, that whole... That whole era. I know that. I know. I'll Google it after the show. I'm sure every Jets fan over the age of like 55 or 60 just had their brain fall to the ears. Like, how can you not know Everett R. Murrow is? But go look, go look him up. <laughs> sure. And moving on from waxing poetically over 50s news anchors, we are going to go back to a former Jet who, in keeping with our theme of having news break right after the show, last week we talked about Denzel Mims getting either waived or traded. We both assumed waived because who would trade for him? Well, Team traded for him, the Detroit Lions, who I think are a good situation for him, honestly, because they have an up-and-coming offensive coordinator who a 1,000% is going to be a head coach next year, and Ben Johnson, who did tremendous work last year. They're a team that everybody thinks can be a postseason force, probably one of the favorites in the NFC North, a good quarterback in Jared Goff, and they need receivers because Jameson Williams has been suspended for first few games of the season due to the whole gambling uh, scenario. So Dan Campbell saying, you know what? There's no way this guy's this bad with his physical tools. Let's give him a shot. I'm like, all right, good for Denzel. And then Denzel comes out in his first interview, and I know he's got a chip on his shoulder. I know he's a little pissed about some of the things that happened with the Jets tenure, but uh immediately saying the vibes are a lot better, immediately saying I know the playbook, because that was a very common criticism of Denzel Mims at least from the New York Jets coaching staff, was that he didn't know the playbook very well. They want him to learn the playbook from a couple different positions. He never quite got into it. That was always the excuse that they used, was he never really knew the playbook very well. And then Denzel Mims also comes out and uh, basically says, like, you know, uh, I did everything he could with the Jets. And he seemed to imply that, like, the Jets were had something against him. At least that's how I read it. Maybe I'm reading too much into it, but a lot of the comments seem to be like the Jets were got personal with it, and now I'm in a situation in Detroit where I got people who believe in me. The Jets never believed in me because it was a coaching staff that didn't draft me. And there might be some truth to that, but that also has to – if that's true, then the Jets also were struggling at wide receiver because they didn't have great depth and struggling offensively in general and said – I know Denzel Mims is a good option, but we're not going to play him anyway because we don't like him for whatever reason. So if you believe that, then you have to believe the other thing, which I don't necessarily think so. So I, I get where he's coming from. I know why he's saying it kind of a jaded ex-employee, but you know some of the quotes were like, hey, kind of lame, man. Just my viewpoint. 
Yeah, I get it. I'll, I'll read some of the quotes here so people have context. Of course, reading quotes is different than hearing them. So I definitely encourage anybody to look up the actual quotes themselves and hear it. But yeah, he said that uh, the vibes here are a lot better, referring to the Detroit Lions. He said, you're damn right. I got a chip on my shoulder. It's time for me to show it, though. I'm ready to show it. Uh, also was asked why uh, he <laughs> this was a wild question. He was asked why he didn't show it with the Jets. That's a wild question. Ask him. Uh, he said, <laughs> hey, why'd you suck, man? <laughs> yeah, that's that's pretty you wild. Any insight? <laughs> he said, you'll have to probably talk to them with that. I got no control in that. I did everything I could there. Uh, and, then, and then he also added later, uh, where's the exact quote about something about the playbook that he's already, uh, he said, I kind of already have the system down. I'm been getting in early and staying late. I pretty much have the playbook down already. So I think that it's, I do not believe that for a second. <laughs> I, well, he knows the entire playbook in a day. <laughs> that's fair. I, I think that some of those can definitely be read as, as shots. I, I hate, I hate using the word like shots, taking shots at the Jets Cause it almost sounds like he's going out of his way to make those comments. I think some of it is just like, I don't know if it's his subconscious or whatever. Like those were criticism about him dating back to his time with the jets, right? They struggled to learn the playbook. Uh, you know, the maybe effort was called into question on certain occasions. And also like, you know, the whole thing about playing different positions. I think all of that were, was, you know, were criticisms that not only media had, but the coaching staff seemed to have about him dating back to his time with the jets. So I think it's fair for him to just kind of say, Hey, those aren't issues here. Like, I think that's kind of what he's doing. I think it's kind of standard stuff. I think it's just him saying, Hey, I'm hoping, you know, I'm hoping to maximize this opportunity. I don't know why it didn't work with the jets. I did my best. I did all I could. Maybe he could have handled it a little bit better. Maybe he could have been like, you know, I wish them well. And you know, I, I, whatever, I don't know, but I wouldn't read too much into it. I'm trying not to, at least honestly, I'm just hoping for the best room. I hope he kills it in Detroit. I hope he does well. Uh, even though that would reflect poorly on the jets. If that happens, I still do want the best for him. I'm not going to read too much into it, but I, I definitely see how people could take it as him, you know, taking shots at the Jets. And as Brian points out in chat, uh, he said that he now has the freedom to play every position I want to, as if his failure to play multiple roles wasn't why he got scratched and bench repeatedly. Like, yeah, yeah come on, man. Like, he's kind of talking out of both sides of his mouth here. Also fair. Yeah, like I mean, I, and again, I thought, again, I have egg on my face. I thought Denzel Mims is going to be a fantastic player. I loved him at Baylor. I thought that he got picked later than I would have picked him. I thought he was on that fringe of kind of the late first, early second round. So I wanted him to work out. But again, like it it just and I know he's not gonna say publicly, like, you know, yeah, I I fucked up or I had problems mm-hmm. that led to me not playing well. Like I didn't just grasp something right now, but like I mean, that's part of it. Like it, it was this was not just the coaching staff had it out for him. I'm trying not to read too much into it too, like you, but if I were a guy who wanted to read into it, <laughs> that I could easily see how he could say like, you know what? Yeah, this was just, you know, I got a coaching staff that stunk and the coaching staff didn't like me. Well, it's like, hey, you know, we gave you opportunities, Denzel. Like he was not just deactivated for every game. They gave him shots and oh. he just, he, he just didn't take them. Yeah, you're not wrong. I, I mean, look, I'm with you there. I do think that Denzel Mims probably feels like he was slighted by the Jets coaching staff. I'm sure he feels that, uh, you know, the coaching staff really kind of had it out for him or didn't maximize his talents, which all of that might be true. But at the same time, like you just mentioned, he was given every opportunity to succeed with the Jets. He was given numerous opportunities due to injury or whatever to show that he deserves to be on the field. And he just didn't do it. Like he didn't play special teams. So there wasn't a a spot for him to be active on game days unless there were injuries. Couldn't return. 
he didn't return and he just he didn't he didn't maximize his his snaps on offense he really didn't uh whether it was the fact that he couldn't play all three positions whether it was uh not knowing the playbook there were multiple times he just had like pre-snap penalties on offense that became an issue oh, with him <laughs> and so i like at the same time as as i do agree that probably the coaching staff like they, he was in doghouse very quickly and i think they kind of had it out for him at a certain point and didn't really maximize his abilities at the same time he didn't maximize his own abilities and i don't think he took advantage of the opportunities he was given so i do hope i wish him all the best in detroit i do want to see him work out i never want to see a guy flame out in the nfl um Especially i see a guy who's talented like yeah that. absolutely and i think that he is does feel slighted by the jets and maybe that maybe his comments were partially inspired by that i absolutely can admit that but you know it's what it is at this point. He's he's gone. Uh, I, I I think. You think was, Robert Sala was the one who put in that order for the the undercooked salmon that gave him oh, food poison. They put a hit out on Denzel. <laughs> put a, they put a hit. Listen, man, you got to be very discreet about it. Like he's he's got to order this medium rare. Make it the the rarest thing you've ever had. Get him look, it. his salmon was the only one that was undercooked. That's all I'm saying. No one else got food poison. <laughs> it's, it's like it's some awful. mafia stuff over there. That's awful. Now, Sprinkle I, I, this on his food. It'll mess him up. <laughs> I think it's for the best that he's gone uh, for both sides. I think he wasn't really going to have a role with the Jets, and they can now give looks to other younger players like Jason Brownlee, like Xavier Gibson. And I think it's for the best for Denzel Mims because now he actually is with a team that does consider him a potential player to make the roster, whereas I don't think that was the case with the Jets. Speaking of training camp, where that damn Jason Brownlee, man. I mean, Jets yeah. got something there. That's a 53-man guy if I ever saw one. I agree. I think he's right now wide receiver six. If they keep six wide receivers, I think he is your wide receiver six. Oh, without question. Without question. So For sure. We've done a lot of talk about the real-life Jets, the tangible Jets, the brick-and-mortar Jets. <laughs> that are, but you know who else is apparently has a bone to pick with this franchise? Uh, is the guys at EA and Tiburon because the digital Jets, the virtual Jets in Madden, boy, did they really get kneecap talent wise. Dude, I, I love your transitions. So I just gonna let me say that. I, <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> I appreciate that's, that's, them. Hey, that's a, that's you gotta add some pizzazz, man. That's how you do it. But uh, and I gotta say, full disclosure, as someone who I'm a pretty big gamer, peek into the the personal life a lot of, but a lot of like you know. Like RPG stuff, action, like not like Call of Duty. I never got into that, but like, you know, God of War, Dark Souls, that sort of area. This doesn't surprise me. Yeah, I, I never, well, I stopped playing Madden around Madden like 17, I think was the last one I got because freaking EA, I don't know how they're getting away with this. They're literally pl- making the same games with the same animation engines, the same like look, the same character models. They don't even have refs on the field anymore because they're like oh we couldn't afford to give it the same visual quality that's a load of crap so there's that and all they work on is literally just trying to funnel you into micropayment stuff to spend more money on these loot boxes which are gambling even though they don't call it gambling like that's it's very predatory i'm like you i I can't a good conscience support this so i haven't bought madden in a while it's funny too if you ever look at like all the video game like rating websites like they're what you'd think, you know, this game has an eight, this game has a nine. Madden always has like 0.4 from hmm. all the all the legions of fans who just swim up their butts and give it negative reviews. Like that's the state of Madden and Madden 24 might be one of the most dire entries yet, especially if you're a Jets fan, because my goodness, some of these low ratings here, I mean, they drive you crazy. Like the thing that stuck out to me too is Aaron Rodgers, who is the seventh best quarterback in the game, which you know what? That's kind of like I don't see a huge problem with that because I think that's probably where he is right now on the quarterback tier chart in the NFL. 
you know, six, seven kind of power rankings, but 86 overall, way behind a guy like Jalen Hurts, who had a fantastic year. But you know what? If he can go to 88 off of one good year, Rodgers falls that far despite two MVP years prior. That that doesn't make any sense to me. Uh, one thing that other, I know you got some real bones to pick with guys like, you know, Garrett Wilson and things like that. But when I looked at that list and I saw Elijah Vera Tucker was a 79, I'm like, all right, they're just not watching. They're just not watching Jets football. Because if you look at the Jets, on an offensive line that was terrible, and they had one guy who was consistently really above average at two positions, and it was Elijah Vera Tucker, and you're like, nah, league average 79. Like, that's how I know there was not a ton of film grinding done in the uh, in the EA ratings adjuster hut over there. All they were doing was figuring out ways to get you to spend $20 for 100 you know, in-game bucks of your parents' credit card money and then spend it all on loot boxes to maybe win a virtual card. That's what they're spending their time on, not making the Jets as accurate to their real-life components as possible. Dude, I, I can rant all day about Madden as a video game franchise. It's awful. And it makes me really sad because I'm someone who loves simulation games. That's always been my thing. Stuff like OTP football manager, like stuff like that is, is my jam. That's, that's my niche. And the fact that Madden is so bad that it makes it unplayable for me. Cause I'm, I'm I would play franchise mode and I just think the mode is unplayable. It <laughs> makes me really sad. It, it, it's, it's not that it's not play. It's what they did is they had a great franchise mode. They took yeah. things out of it. And then they keep adding it back. I'm like, look at this new feature you did. It's like, they no, were, you're you're they, creating problems and then charging us solutions for yeah. it. Like, they removed the ability to see what play, what team a player played on previously, and then they eventually brought that back, I believe. But just stuff like simple. After they got yelled at for months incessantly. <laughs> it's awful. But I, I don't know if anybody even listening to this wants to hear about that. So we can talk about the Jets and just, look, Madden ratings suck. They're bad. There's a lot of hype around them every year. Everybody, I think most people know they're not to be taken seriously. So just don't take these seriously either. I enjoy to shit on them because I find enjoyment in it. And I find enjoyment to shit on a really bad video game franchise. That's why I do this. And that's why that's why this segment even exists. Uh, I do take umbrage with, with Aaron Rodgers rating. I agree. But by the way, I think he's the eighth best because he's behind Dak Prescott as well, which oh, that's, the no. right. that's the one. I think you can make a case, a strong case that Patrick Mahomes, Joe Burrow, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, Jalen Hurts, Justin Herbert. You could make a case that all those are better. I, I, I have some gripes with them. Like I don't think Justin Herbert at this stage should be four overall less than Lamar Jackson, but like I have some gripes, but it's, I don't think there's a, a, I don't think it's super egregious. I do think that Rogers should be better than Dak Prescott. I have more gripes with other guys. And although I'm, I have a whole list here, by the way, and they're not all underrated. I think there's a few guys in this Jets roster that are very overrated, that are rated higher than they should be. And in fact, to show I'm not biased towards the Jets, let's start with those, right? Let's start with Adrian Amos, who is the sixth highest rated player on the Jets roster in Madden 24. <laughs> Adrian Amos is an 83 overall. An 83 overall. That's higher than, or it's the same overall as DJ Reed, which we'll get to that in a moment. It's higher than guys like Brees Hall, than Carl Lawson, than Elijah Vera Tucker. It's wild to me that, I mean, look, and I'm not, this isn't the shit on Adrian Amos, right? Because Adrian Amos, he was a really good safety for a long time. 
he's coming off a very bad year. And if his rating doesn't really take much, much, much of a, much of a hit where Aaron Rodgers took it, I think Aaron Rodgers was a 99 last year, right? Wasn't he 99? If he wasn't, he was damn near. He started as a 99. Yeah. Right. So he takes a 13 overall decrease. Adrian Amos was worse, significantly worse than Aaron Rodgers last year at what they do, obviously very different positions. Uh, And I don't know what he was last year, but I can't imagine it was very different than an 83. So the fact that he's 83 is pretty crazy. Uh, Bryce Hall, and I'm a Bryce Hall fan. I still think Bryce Hall could potentially start on some teams. He showed it with the Jets that he's a starting caliber cornerback. I know he's had a rough like year and a half, but I still think he's a good player. He's a 78 overall. That's three overalls higher than Michael Carter II, who is one of the better slot corners in the NFL. Uh, so if you were to play Madden 24, you'd think that Michael Carter is a backup caliber cornerback, whereas Bryce Hall is a solid starting cornerback. And that's pretty insane to me. So I would say Bryce Hall definitely underrated or overrated. I'd say Ashton Davis, 74 overall. That's overrated to me. That's higher than guys like Jermaine Johnson. That's it's not, wait, Ashton Davis wasn't 47. It was no, 74. 74. That's high, <laughs> three overalls higher than Quincy Williams. <laughs> like I, I know the guy you're the most mad at. I am a particular receiver on the Jets. I am really mad about the Garrett Wilson. I wouldn't even say I'm most mad about that. Although I think Garrett Wilson being 84 is crazy. I'll, I'll actually, this, this might be the one I'm most mad about and people wouldn't think this relating to the Ashton Davis one. Ashton Davis is 13 overalls higher as a 74, 13 overalls higher than Tony Adams, who we talked about earlier on the show. He might start week one at free safety. He's a 61 overall. You want to know some of the guys that are rated higher than Tony Adams on this Jets team? If you're listening to the show and you know all of these players I'm about to say, shout out to you because you are a diehard Jets fan. Maybe Guys, go and spend some more time, you know, going on dates and stuff like that. But you know what? We I mean, respect look, the commitment. <laughs> I know these guys because it's my job. But like, there's no reason that anybody should know Marquis Spencer, who's two overall higher than Tony Adams. Travis Dye is an overall higher than Tony Adams. Yadi Kajust is two overalls higher. Isaiah Mack is three overalls higher. These are dudes who are nowhere close to making this team. Like, they're not going to be on the roster. Malik Taylor, who is probably, what, wide receiver 10, is a 66 overall, five higher than Tony Adams. I know this doesn't matter. I know Madden ratings mean nothing at all. I know I'm getting worked up for no reason, but it just bothers me. I don't know why, but it does bother me. Tony Adams being a 61 is insane. The guy might start week one in free safety. Really quick, I'll just shout out a couple other ones. Garrett Wilson being 84 is crazy. He's below Odell Beckham Jr., who has uh, – the last time that Odell Beckham had 1,000 yards in a season, Garrett Wilson was a true freshman at Ohio State. Garrett Wilson – or uh, Odell Beckham has, I believe, 800-something yards combined over the last three years. Uh, so him being 85 overall is completely absurd. But Justin, uh, you neglect to mention that he is cool. He is four. <laughs> Madden loves reputation. That's what they do. It's not yeah. even necessarily big market shit. It's not that. They go on a player's reputation. It's why Dalvin Cook is still a 92 overall or whatever he is. That's obviously insane. Ramondre Stevenson's an 80. Make it make any sense. Like, it doesn't. But, they go off reputation unless it's Aaron Rodgers because that reputation doesn't matter, apparently. Right. What, I mean, his. I guess his reputation just took a huge hit because he was bad last year. But generally speaking, they go off a of reputation. It's why someone like Harrison Smith is still significantly better than Javon Holland or whoever, right? Like, I, I could go on and on about how many terrible Madden ratings there are. Uh, I mean, DJ Reed, I barely talked about being an 83 is crazy. Quincy Williams probably deserves to be a little higher. Hell, Zach Wilson shouldn't be a 69. He should be lower than that, okay? And that's not even like – like, 69 is high-end backup. He's not a high-end backup, given everything we've seen. I don't think you can make that argument. Now, I will say, Tim Boyle being a 57, 
It's about right. I think he's the worst rated player on the team besides Thomas Hennessy, who again, they don't have a long snapper position. So he's a 30 overall tight end because that's what Madden thinks of long snappers. Anyway, I could go on forever. I'm getting worked up. I'm getting, I'm getting sweaty. It's hot in this room. I'm, I'm done. Because <laughs> <laughs> what, what really is, what really I think could make, makes the magic here in this segment is you hate the ratings so much. And then also I think combined with my hatred of the game and how it is structured, it combines for this sort. We just Voltron these things together. If you're into transformers and you get that, we just Voltron them together and it becomes this big, two-headed fire breather that hates Madden. And you know what? Good. Fix your game. Or, or, or you know what? Don't charge us $70 then. Because it's 15 bucks. I'm like, okay, fine. $70 for a thing that thinks Garrett Wilson is worse than Odell? $70. I, I, it dude, blows my mind. It, it makes me mad. Uh, again, it shouldn't make me mad. I fully know it shouldn't make me mad. But it does. It really does. And as I'm speaking right now, I'm looking at the Madden EA ratings website, trying to find more bad ratings because I'm obsessed and I shouldn't be. And that's stupid. One thing that you will never have to pay $70 to watch is the Jeff Press podcast. And you can find the Jeff Press podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Overcast, wherever it may be that you get your podcast. We are on all those places. We are on YouTube at the Jeff Press. We are on TikTok at the Jeff Press. There are a ton of great little little vertical video shorts for you on both of those spots justin feel free to take us home on this one i'm so glad you cut me off because i could i was i wasn't gonna stop i could keep going and another thing <laughs> not good for my physical and mental health so thank you for for stopping me there anytime <laughs> thank you all for joining us on the show today you can follow mike on twitter at by mike luciano you can follow me on twitter at justin t freed or X Twitter, you guys know what it is. Whatever the hell it is now. X Twitter, same thing. Whatever. I refuse to call it X. Follow <laughs> us on Twitter. That's what we're taking a stand. It's still Staples Center to me, damn it. Uh, <laughs> follow the Press at the Press. You can do- download the Press podcast wherever you get your podcast. Also, check us out on YouTube. Subscribe, like, hit that notification bell. We're on TikTok. The whole DraftKings thing, the promo is still on the screen. It's FS Bets. Thank you all for helping us out, and thank you all for joining us on the show. We stream live every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern time. Thank you for listening to the Jeff Press Podcast. I've been Justin Freed. That has been Mike Luciano. We'll see you guys next time. See you folks next week. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.